Welcome to On Scene First with Tracy Eldridge, powered by Rapid SOS. As a trusted public safety data partner and creators of the world's first emergency response data platform, Rapid SOS is sharing critical data with 911 to help first responders like myself get the information we need to save lives and property. To learn how you can become Rapid SOS ready and better protect the ones you love, visit rapidsos.com today. Now on with the show. I'm your host, Tracy Eldridge. I am wicked excited to highlight the latest and greatest must-have technology tools and mental health resources for public safety. Currently, I am the Public Safety Community Engagement Manager at Rapid SOS. With 24 years in public safety, I am truly honored to bring you entertaining, educational, and empowering conversations with public safety difference makers who are harnessing the power of new technology, out-of-the-box thinking, and mental health support services to save lives on both sides of the call. Hey friends, welcome to episode six. Today, my guest is Dan Wright. Dan is the Deputy Director of the Baldwin County, Alabama 911 Center. I will be chatting with Dan about the effects of Hurricane Sally as she toured through their community this summer, how they leaned on the support of a TURT response and what they learned in the process, and also how they took care of their own telecommunicators in the aftermath of the storm. Dan will also share about the new technology that they implemented in their center just before the storm hit and how it assisted not only their own folks, but the folks that came in from surrounding states. Join me in welcoming Dan Wright. Thanks for joining me, Dan. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule to be here with me. Good morning, Tracy. First of all, I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, as you said, I think we've tried to schedule this several times and uh, yeah, things are settling down. Uh, Sally rode in here on her little Mustang or whatever she rode in on and got on out of here. That, that's a great way to put it. But we have a ton of stuff to talk about. I, I knew as soon as I saw this, this storm brewing and hitting um, and then saw what you guys went through, I, we, well, we had already scheduled the podcast before that anyway. And then this was just another reason to, to have it. Cause you guys, you did so much during this storm that it's really important for others to hear what you guys did. But first I want our listeners to get to know you a little bit. They know who I am. So Dan, will you just tell me a little bit about how you got into public safety? Sometimes people get here by accident. Like, what's your story? How, how did you get to be sitting in the seat you're sitting in right now? I got to 911 by accident. I got into public safety because uh, my neighbor, uh, my best friend's neighbor was a volunteer firefighter. And uh, I was very intrigued by that. So I got started in the volunteer fire service at the ripe young age of 17, right just before I turned 18, so I could get voted in and accepted. So that was in 98, and uh, then decided I wanted to be a career firefighter. Dropped out of engineering school and went to EMT school and got hired on as a 911 dispatcher to go through school. It was the perfect scenario. I was working night shift, school was in the evening, so I could go to the EMT school, come on shift, and everything was perfect in the world. Uh, got hired as a career firefighter, city of Birmingham. Worked there and uh, recently retired from there from my current role. Retired as a fire captain in the safety division. Uh, and throughout, so throughout that fire service career, I stayed in 911. Uh, served as a 
dispatcher, call taker, uh, supervisor. And then I started in the GIS and CAD database management, addressing, and then was hired as the 911 director for Chilton County, Alabama in 2011. And simultaneously worked there in the career fire job. And then most recently, I had the uh, amazing opportunity and privilege to apply for and be hired as the deputy director for Baldwin County 911 in South Alabama. Wow, it's definitely a journey that deserves, you know, some kudos. I know that all of those jobs are are not easy. And the fact that you were staying in dispatch that whole time and the fact that you got there by accident, I think that happens a lot. Like, you know, we... I know that I ended up here by accident. I wanted to be a police officer uh, and ended up being kind of a career. Do you remember when you first heard about the technology that Rapid SOS was deploying? And then I'm going to ask you a follow-up question to that. And knowing your story, it's uh, very similar because I don't remember the day, but I remember getting the mail uh, as the director at Chilton County 911 and seeing a postcard or a little flyer. Rapid SOS, uh, you know, download this app and we'll know where you are. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, okay, all right, I'm going to try it out. So obviously I didn't have the, the contacts that you had, but I basically did the same thing you did. I downloaded that, put my information in there, and I went outside and started making test calls. <laughs> and it worked, you know, I mean, it, it worked as long as you use the app. They did. And I told did. my people, I was like, you know, hey, this is pretty slick. I said, but it won't ever fly because nobody's going to download the app. And so, you know, after that, uh, I stayed in contact and, you know, watched what was going on, but uh, knew that from the start, any time that you try to get end users to do something that they're not using daily or have a particular use for it, the the rate of buy-in is very, very, very low. Well, and I think the thing with the app too, as I refer to, and Michael Martin's very familiar with my term, his stupid app, but um, it was, it was, it was amazing. Like, it, like for me, the frustration was like, this is really working. And I made test calls everywhere. And the fact that each one knew exactly where each call knew exactly where I was, it was like, oh, like if we could just get this out of the app and into the operating system on the device, like that's where all of this is that that's where this has to go. So right. as you were watching, what were your thoughts when you heard the shift in what we were going to be doing? Oh, I knew, you know, and I, I hate to use this word that everybody uses, but I mean, I knew it was going to be game changer for 911. I mean, once, once we get true data from a device, not dependent upon all the other third party things that have to be perfect and work every time, uh, you know, I, I knew that it was it was going to forever change and make better the job of the 911 call taker. That's awesome. And so as we were, um, and again, I, I can't totally remember where our paths crossed, but I, I, I know you were, you're, you're in Chilton and here I come in here and I'm like, hey, we're doing this amazing stuff and we need you to to get your vendor partners to integrate and we're going to get Apple and Google to turn on the technology that'll give you the location on the phone. Like, did you believe us or were you like, hmm, I don't know? Yeah, I believed you. My, my initial hangup was because Chilton was a very busy PSAP with 
minimal staffing. And my big hang up was the query view. I wanted full integration into our CAD so that when the call came in that the dispatcher didn't have to take any extra efforts to uh, get that data. And so I, I think that was one of our first conversations, if I remember, was you pushing me to use query view and I was yep. very skeptical and, you know, what was really pushing to get integration in, into our CAD at the time. We know that the telecommunicator has like so much to do at one time. And when you introduce even like this, this minuscule, the way that I would look at it is, you know, for the, for what you were going to get by just querying this 911 phone number, the caller that made the 911 call and, and querying that phone number. So being able to see it and trying to get folks like to buy in, even though it's free, right? Like that, right. that's the, that, that to me is, is the best part. Um, but the fact that we have both options was, was phenomenally cool. And so we moved from this query view, which there's a lot of folks that are using the rapid SOS portal, the web browser, and they are still on query view. So if you've listened to the episodes before, if you've ever listened to me speak as, as Tracy Eldridge, you know, the community engagement manager for rapid SOS, you know that we have shifted and, and upgraded the portal to be able to accommodate what's called jurisdiction view where, wow. And we normally will take about 675 ish 911 calls on average. And so there in Sally, we took 4,400. Wow. So now I'm just visualizing what jurisdiction view looked like. <laughs> it was completely green <laughs> from that, from the markers. <laughs> I, you know, what? and, and, you know, all right. So this is me being a little selfish. Like it would have been nice if you took some screenshots, like, Oh, wait, well, you know, I was kind of busy. busy telling people <laughs> that they weren't coming to them. So I couldn't. <laughs> no, that like, I, as, as I had heard before, what like kind of what your call volume was, I was just thinking to myself, oh boy, like that would literally be a whole, a, a lot of your county, right? Like during, during those times you're going through this and I know you're, you're a huge fan of, of Turk bringing in help. You're, you're in the fire service, first of all. So with the fire service, mutual aid is a given. Right. right. Like, like that's just something we grow up in the fire service. It's like, as soon as you know, you got something, you're calling all your friends to come play. Right. You activated or you called out for help. We Can did. you tell me like, when did you make that decision? And talk to me a little bit about a making that decision. Do you feel that you made the decision in the right timing or tell me about that because there's a lot of folks we're using tart a lot right now with all of this mess that's going on talk to me about that we realized the need for tart early so the i think the land the actual recorded landfall time was around 4 a.m on the 16th and uh i knew by 6 a.m that we needed help me and joby started talking about it and he reached out to state ema and I'm going to have to be careful how I say this. Uh, we, uh, well, I, we, our initial request was denied by Alabama State EMA. Uh, so I reached out to my colleagues at Chilton County. Uh, we use the same CAD and the same phone system in both places. So I knew that if they were willing, I could get them here fast and yeah. they could offer some immediate relief. So I got on the phone with the new director there and talked to her and she's like, we're on the way. So they got here later that afternoon. Uh, we, uh, 
used a, an unconventional and I will say not the proper way response to get the needed attention for what we needed. Uh, but we went to social media. Yep, and, you sure did. Uh, I've got a little bit of backlash for that, but you know, when you're desperate, you do what you got to do. Uh, I had just seen and had been a part of what my people were going through and uh, being my office, being on the dispatch floor, essentially with the door separating us, I could hear what they were still going through and I wasn't stopping until I got them help. And so uh, me and Joby talked about it and I told, I told him almost quote, I said, if you, if you will approve it, I will get us help here. And so we held off. I don't remember the time, Tracy, but sometime around seven or eight that morning, uh, I blasted social media and I tagged you and I tagged, I don't know how many people was, well, we need help. And we put it out there. If you can come help that you got a process to go through, you got to contact us. You got to be approved. Don't just show up. Right. Right. Cause, when uh, but, you, cause, cause you know, when you put out a call for help, these people right, are going to show up. Right. Right. And so luckily that got the attention of the right people. And, uh, you know, I got to tell you, uh, I have some new, new best friends and, and that being Tyrell Morris with New Orleans and, and Jonathan with, uh, Georgia Turk. And, uh, uh but they stepped up and, and they made the right contacts and phone calls. And, and I pulled, I had to pull some favors out from some relationships I've built, but you know, our, we're going to fix it. Our turt, our turt uh, response in Alabama is broken. Uh, that this has exaggerated that, and, and we're going to fix that. But it did, you know, it didn't help when we had this this issue going on. But uh, you know, l luckily there's there's other people out there in the industry that care when somebody needs help, and, and they they did everything that they could possibly do to get us help. Yeah. So um, number one, I can feel your emotion, and as you're talking, like I'm feeling it. Like I, when you tagged me in that. I felt helpless and I know what that, we know what that feels like, right? So you felt helpless for your folks. I, so many of us that were so far away and I know that you and I joked back and forth. I'm like, did you tag me? Do you want me to come down and put a headset on? Cause I will totally come down and put a headset on. They're um, still waiting for you, by the way. Uh, listen, I'll tell you, you, you better be careful what you wish for. Cause there might be a day I show up and be like, where's my seat? Cause you know, I, mi I miss it. I miss it terribly. But um, I think it is so important that you realize through this whole thing that, yep, there are some pieces that are broken. Things didn't go the way that you necessarily planned, but also knowing that there, there are folks in this industry that are going to step up. They're going to get you the help that you need. Uh, I was getting text messages from some of the folks that were in your center, you know, telling me that they were there, um, telling me that they were using the technology that that we had the ability to provide to help them because they don't know where these folks were coming where did all the folks come from i know you had folks from georgia i know you had folks from tennessee uh, louisiana, from louisiana and florida and florida right. so and they were there quickly weren't they like yeah so we made the request on early wednesday morning and we had teams arriving wednesday evening and, and after and that you know, to me, that's just what the nature of this job is. You put out the call and we come and help. And right. I think it's, I think it's amazing. One of the things that I want to know too, is there were a ton of calls, right? Like yep. you couldn't respond to everybody. I'm assuming. No, 
How did you handle that? During that entire event, we told people, me included, for the first time in our careers that nobody's coming to help you. And, you know, then you have people ask, well, what am I supposed to do? You know, they're telling them water's coming in my house. My house is blowing apart. Tell them we get their name and phone number and tell them to protect yourself however you can. And, and we'll call you back and check on you in a little while. We'll make a, a note of where you're at so that we can check on you or the responders can check on you later. You know, that, that, uh, that takes a toll on you. Uh, you know, our job is to uh, provide help when somebody calls and, and knowing that we can't uh, is, uh, is troubling, you know. And, and, you know, you could take the other route of, well, the people's got personal responsibility. They should have got out of the way. But not everybody has that option, you know. Right, Some people, right. You know, they're on fixed income. They live paycheck to paycheck. Their house, their home is all they got. And they're not, uh, so w Joby and I, al along with many, many other people, worked diligently before the storm had ever left to to do everything that we possibly could to ensure our employees were being taken care of. As as small as this seems, I think the day after the storm, we had a snow cone truck come on site uh, to give snow cones to all the dispatchers free of charge. Uh, we, That's a big deal. I'm just saying. Yeah, we we uh, we lined up uh, a massage therapist to come on site and, and give. Uh, I think what they call chair massages. Shoulder yeah, massage. yeah. We provided uh, debriefing uh, counselor, counselors available. We're still planning a, a true debriefing for those that were actually on console during that whole event. Housing for them as far as we could at the center. The ability for their families to come get showers and eat a hot meal. Obviously have everybody stay here the whole time, but the ability to do those things and lined up resources for uh, to get because all of our employees were affected. Every single employee was affected in some way. Right. So we, we worked to get uh, cleanup crews and ensure that every employee had access to some type of volunteer cleanup crew to ensure that their home was taken care of, tarped, tarp roofs, clean up debris. So, so everybody's doing good. You know, it, it'll be a continual process to, to watch them and to take care of them. Uh, but, but everybody's doing good. That that's amazing. Like just to even hear the just the little pieces that you've already put into place to take care of these folks, because this is it's going to have a lasting effect. And, and we know that. So I, I applaud you and Joby's efforts to say, you know what, let's do some things. Let's think outside the box a little bit and make sure these folks are taken care of. If I remember correctly, didn't you have some folks that had some pretty significant damage to their homes? Yeah. Yeah. I think we I don't remember the number three or four that uh had really significant damage trees on homes uh flooded pretty bad uh so yeah i mean we had some pretty significant not everybody was affected really significantly everybody was affected in some way but three or four, almost everybody lost their food because we lost power and they were on console and you know right. couldn't have a generator running when they weren't home so provided and that's a big deal i mean you got to spend five six seven hundred dollars to replace everything you know you don't think about all the ketchup and the condiments and everything you just take for granted that's there because you don't have to buy it all at once right time. right uh but you know we've we've been very blessed uh we set up a gofundme that has done very well uh for the employees uh and also alabama nina uh contributed uh up to five thousand dollars to to help the employees so wow they're uh you know the the it's it probably won't fully take care of everybody but they're they're being helped no and that's the that's that's really cool to hear that that these things are being set up and 
you know, I did share the um, GoFundMe page and I will make sure that it gets shared again when I share this because I know they're not, they're not out of the woods and they need things. Um, and even like you said, just even that chair massage, like how, how many folks in your center right now are wearing their stress like earrings, right? If you could see me, yeah. my shoulders are, are up by my ears and, and that takes its toll and the headaches and, you know, all of these physical things that, that folks are going through. Um, now I'm going to ask you probably a, the, the tougher question is what about you and Joby? Are, are you guys taking care of, are you taking care of yourself? And I know that there was a time where you had to walk out of the center, like you had to leave. Um, what was that like for you guys to, to have to step away from the center or in the midst of, cause you, cause you had to go home at some point and you had to take care of your stuff at some point. What, what was that like for you? I don't remember the exact day. <laughs> uh, Joby actually left before I did uh, to, he, he actually used an opportunity to, to go get some resources uh, and some supplies, got, got away for a day or a night. Uh, I was here for 12 days straight without going home. The day I went home, I slept all day. And, and I, you know, if I'm being completely honest about it, that whole next week, I was still recovering. Oh, I'm uh, sure. Uh, Joby took off today. Uh, so he, he's off today. And uh, I am going to... I've been allowed to work remotely next week. Uh, so the next week was our Alabama Nina Gulf Coast Conference. That yeah. So I already had a family vacation plan on the back end of that. So uh, we'll take that next week. But we're, we're doing good. I mean, you know, it'll be a long-term recovery. Uh, uh, we, we've got some people that we brought in, uh, colleagues of ours that, that helped us to be able to get away. And they're also still supporting us in, in ways that, you know, you just never think about you need help and uh, they're checking on us and we're checking on each other. So, so, you know, we're good. Uh, you know, well, I say we're good. We're, re we're in the recovery process. Right. Probably be the more correct way to still hurricane season and it just seems like it's one thing after another. And right. so now you take this major weather event on top of an already chaotic time. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with what you guys have done because I think back to the storms that I dealt with in the 9-1 center, mine were, you know, we dealt with hurricanes, not as much as you guys for sure, um, but we do have blizzards. And, you know, I remember a few blizzards, blizzards just being in the center for days and days and days on end. And for a long time, you're running on adrenaline. Yep. Like you are, you're in it, you're, you know, folks are, your people are getting along. Did you see that? Cause I think when stuff like this happens, it, it does, it brings, it brings your team closer together. And I hope you saw that. Did you, did you guys see that at all? Cause yeah, I know I did. do. We did. Cause you know, we have shift assignments on a normal daily basis. And so with this turret deployment and response, we had people working on shifts. They are with people they didn't normally work. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was, <clears throat> that was one thing that we were, that we probably didn't do a good job of explaining to our people is uh, why TURT was here and the, the role and the goal of TURT. Ah. And so we had some resistance to leaving the console and letting somebody else do their job. Uh, we, we've learned that. We've, we've gotten some feedback and we, we will correct that. So, you know, for anybody out there ever, well, everybody needs to prepare for their own TURT deployment receiving their own turret deployment because it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when your event happens 
but uh, you know, <clears throat> we so having turd allowed our people to get out of here, and uh, that that really helped them to be able to go home and spend time with their family and take care of their property. You know, the, the things that our volunteer crews couldn't do. I think that is an extremely valid point. And if I know you as well as I think I know you, you already have a class that's brewing inside of your head to share <laughs> some of this stuff with folks. Tell me I'm lying. Um, but I think that is is extremely important um, because I can see how that would happen. I know that there were times in my center where I would come in, you know, after my, see, we had a one person center, but there were times that there would be you know, a really bad call. And I was on the fire department. So a lot of times I would hear the tone go off or I was responding to this really bad call and my heart's in the center. Right. And I know that that person's sitting in there, but there were times that I would go in and I'd be like, Hey, I got so-and-so coming in and they were mad at me. It's like, Whoa, mm -hmm. wait, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I'm like, but you're not like, you need to go get some sleep or you need to go decompress. You need to go hug your dog or your cat or, you know, talk to your husband, hug your kids. You know, I, there was, there was a few times I had to send people home to hug their kids. And it's hard as a supervisor to know what to do that is going to be right for everybody. So the fact that you guys recognize this took the feedback that your folks felt comfortable enough saying, Hey, look, like, yeah, after the fact, now that we're looking at it, it's like, yeah, it was nice to be able to go home. However, maybe if we could have been included in this decision, is that kind of what you were seeing is that, you know, I, I'm sure your, your folks did an amazing job. Um, but I also know I'm, I'm a dispatcher at heart. And the last thing I would want to be is told that I had to leave. Yeah. So real quick, I can't believe I forgot this part. You said dogs and it made me realize we brought in therapy dogs several days too. So that was a big, a big deal. That was probably one of the most enjoyed things that, that we got feedback on was I having therapy that. dogs here. So, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So the feedback has come that they, they, wish they would have been included in the decision. Uh, you know, and that, and I take that feedback and it will learn from it and we'll, we'll do a better job of that next time. One of our big things that we faced, uh, with the Turk people coming in was we had to get them trained. You know, there had to be in, in the, we, we did a, we had two deployments. We, we received two deployments and the first deployment was so quick and dirty. It was just do the best we can. Uh, the second deployment came in and we actually provided them a quick, training class and some some insight into our operations but the, the with the first group that came in uh, I probably didn't do a good enough job of communicating what the expectations are you know we were a little busy uh, but they were my, my people had the expectation and the full expectation and they were right that they had to get the Turk people trained to do the job the exact same way and at the same level they were doing it Ah, interesting. And so, you know, I finally had to put the message out. Their, their goal is to take the calls and get the calls out. They're, I have no expectation that the same level of service as far as, you know, all the information that we give to the fire departments and all the other stuff that we do that makes this machine run every day has to be done. They're to take calls and dispatch calls. We'll figure the rest of it out. And so that was a big hurdle that we had to jump and that we will learn from and they'll know next time. That's not, the, the goal of TURD is not to come in and provide this exact same level of service. Right, you know, right. Take calls and dispatch calls. 
And so that's, that was a message that we had to get out in the middle of all the chaos. Wow. And, you know, again, another wicked valid point that, you know, not being a part of it, not understanding it, but that's really important feedback. And, you know, I know in my center, I was a little, you know, type A on my policies and procedures and things being done a certain way and, and all of that. But the one thing that my folks did know is that the emergency rule did exist, right? You do A, B, and C if one, two, and three happen. If D is getting added or, or four is getting added, then sometimes you have to remove pieces, right? You have right. to remove pieces. You have to add pieces. So, you know, having a good understanding of that emergency rule is like, you know what, we're just going to do the best we can with what we have. And that's what would happen with, with these storms is I think I did a good job and I hope I did a good job. If not, I'll hear feedback after my folks, you know, listen to this, but um, I think I did a good job with, you know, the policies and procedures in the midst of blizzards or when these massive storms would come through and, you know, you got this person over here and that one over there and you don't even know where anybody is. It's like, just put a call for service in it, it just track the call for service. Like, and just try to keep track of where your people are. Like if we can do that, then we are, ahead of the game right yeah so, so that's a great one the, point one of the things i changed on the fly during the whole event was you know we we're a tourist community go shores and orange beach I, I dozens of high-rise condos and so fire alarms and you know as the storm came through fire alarms i, I haven't even went back and looked at the number of them but they became our overwhelming number of calls well first of all the fire department's not going and secondly, yep. they're going to continue to call back on the same alarm activation at the same building time and time again. Not only were we getting calls from the alarm companies, we were getting calls from people that did not evacuate that were in these condos wanting to know what they should do about the fire alarm going off. So I made the decision at one point that we, okay, we'll take the fire alarm calls, but we're not dispatched them. Well, that lasted probably about five or seven minutes and it just continued to increase exponentially. And so we finally quit even processing alarm calls. And my people looked at me like I had just grown horns out of the back of my head because they're like, we're not putting this call in. I was like, what? no, we're not putting a call in. Those are the things that we'll learn from and, and have that expectation. Just like you said, at certain times, you have to quit doing what you would normally do in order to handle that event at that time. Yeah, it's it's crazy that all of this came to head, and I can't wait to sit in your class because because I know it's going to be amazing. Um, but yeah, so um, as we go into the wrap up here, I just want to say thank you for taking the time out and us finally being able to get you know this podcast on the books because I talked to Jonathan um, my last podcast the one right before you is Jonathan Jones and we talked about you know his move out of this comm center uh, which I was very familiar with but we also talked about that tert deployment so I just thought it was definitely appropriate to, to kind of show this progression um, and then uh, I'm going to be snatching one of the folks that actually landed in your center as, oh, wow. as a, as a turret responder for the, for the next one. So it's kind of a trilogy, if you will. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, if I can real quick that it, it, I didn't think about it at the time, but after talking to you and, and talking to some of the people that responded, you know, it's like 
the rapid SOS jurisdiction view is like the ultimate mutual aid tool because no matter where you are, if you have access to it, you're seeing the same stuff. It looks the same. So, you know, they were able to come in and, and utilize that tool and, and have, even though we have 911 maps, <clears throat> they were able to come in and feel very comfortable using something that they have been using in the past. Yeah. And, and I love that you said that because we always talk about how, the portal is portable, right? Like I know that the folks in Lake County, Illinois, when this COVID thing started, they had to shut down their center because they were one of the first centers that had somebody test positive. They had to shut down their main center. Their folks scattered into like little trailers and other agencies, but they could simply log into the portal and they can still see their calls, right? So that was one right. aspect of it. And now the folks in your situation, they're coming in using a technology that is that they're already using, the majority of them were using. And if they weren't using it, I'm sure they're going back and saying, hey, we need to right. be using this. Right. Um, but to be able to see that and, and, you know, I just think about if it wasn't there, how many of those calls that they needed to take in and dispatch, would they have been spending a lot of time trying to find? Because first of all, street signs are gone. Mm -hmm. landmarks are probably not looking the same way as they they were these folks aren't really knowing landmarks but to be able to maybe you know go into street view or you know satellite view and be able to have a better idea of that location to to verbalize that to the responders i i i'm so excited that they had that yeah. opportunity yeah it was amazing you know and, and I, if i can i don't i don't want to I, I think i did but we we in the industry have got to do a better job of pushing the fact that we are first responders mm -hmm. uh, because especially when an event like this happens i know the the dispatchers and the 911 call takers at baldwin county 911 became the first responders they were telling people what to do how to help them because nobody else could go yeah and you know they they did it an amazing job. I mean, I've, I've hugged them all and I've told them all, but it'll never be enough to express my sincere gratitude on the work that they've done through this entire event. And uh, I, I will welcome the day that I get the opportunity to play some of these calls for these decision makers and let them know that, you know, there's no, well, there is a difference than, you know, I've been a firefighter, you have, and being on the truck and being in the field, but when the truck in the go, is not going to the field, we're the yep. only ones. Absolutely. And I, I am 100% a firm believer in that and I will support it until I'm not here to support it anymore. You know, somebody once said in, in one of my classes, my, my dear friend Carol in Virginia, you know, she said that telecommunicator, their ears have seen things that their brain will never forget. And, you know, to just think about that statement, my ears have seen things that my brain will never forget. And you, you said it yourself, hearing glass break and people yelling and requesting help. Like that's, that's hard stuff. That's heavy stuff to carry around for, for a really long time. And our folks often get left out when the debrief debriefings happen. I'm glad we're starting to get better at taking care of our folks. A um, lot of advocacy out there, which is which is amazing, but yeah, we got it. We got to get these folks classified in the place where where they truly belong. So definitely, yeah. Well, thank you, Dan, for being my guest. I I loved this conversation. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up and close this little chat session? I appreciate the opportunity, Tracy. You know, you're, you're a great friend, and and we have a a bright future ahead of all of us in nine one one. And I would just offer. 
to everybody in this in this business, uh, be ready for your turret response. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we will have a lot of information to share as, as time progresses and the time is right. And build build your professional network because without mine, I don't know where we'd be right now. Yep. And that's the thing is if, you know, we, we've talked about this, I know um, they've had the dare to be great conference going on this week. All of those sessions are free and it was like the same message, you know, just being said in a different way about how we need to step up. We need to lead. We have to be forward thinking. We have to work together as a team um, because at the end of the day, we're a family, right? And, yep. and we are going to get through these these things that that are happening in our centers and learning from them. So um, I do want to mention before we wrap up that you too have a podcast and a little birdie told me that I might get to actually be on your podcast. So we're going to flip the script, but um, <laughs> just tell me a little bit about your podcast. So the folks that are listening, they know where to find you. So my podcast is titled uh, Public Safety Technology and it's on all of the podcast platforms. Uh, wherever you listen to it. And so our goal is to discuss things such as rapid SOS and the emerging technologies in public safety and to bring that uh, from not only the vendor perspective, but from me of sitting in the chair and being the dispatcher perspective and the manager perspective and how we put all this together in 911 and make it work so that it's beneficial and not a hurdle or a burden on the call. Now, I haven't recorded any recently because, you know, changing jobs, moving 250 <laughs> miles, hurricanes, uh, but it's not dead. We'll be, we'll be back. Awesome. Awesome. All right, my friend. Well, you stay healthy, stay safe. Like stuff's crazy out there and uh, we will catch up soon. I'm sure of it. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Make sure you join us next time for another episode of entertaining, educational, and empowering interviews with public safety difference makers. Please like and follow my Facebook and LinkedIn pages On Scene First with Tracy Eldridge so you too can keep up with my shenanigans. Thank you, heroes. From the bottom of my blessed heart, stay safe, stay strong, and stay here. We need you. For more information on Rapid SOS and how you can get connected to the world's first emergency response data platform and better prepare and protect your family and communities, visit rapidsos.com and tell them Tracy sent you.